Welcome in a hardcore Penn State football episode 22, War Eagle. Obviously, if you couldn't get by the name, going to be talking about the Auburn Tigers, Penn State's week three opponent. Also, we got to commit, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, we got them. So we got to commit. We need to talk about two more guys on commit watch for this weekend. Big Penn State recruiting weekend coming up on the 18th, 19th or so. So pay attention to that. Some NIL news as well. And a couple scheduling updates. Uh, Sean Kane will be with me in just one second. Here we go. Welcome, welcome in to Hardcore Penn State Football. I am Corey Lestoki. With me as always, Sean Kane. How are you doing today, Sean? Hey, Corey. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks. What a difference a week makes. That's all I can say, Sean. I mean, what a difference a week makes. Last week, we were talking about when are the commits going to start coming in? Is the NIL going to hold up Penn State too much? Are we going to miss out on some guys? And now, I mean, actually, the day we posted that podcast and talked about it, we got the commit that we're about to discuss right now. But now, going into the biggest early official visit weekend of the year, things are starting to look in a very positive direction for Penn State and the Nittany Lions on the recruiting front. I mean, it is looking really good all of a sudden if you're a fan of just getting a bunch of commits because th- this weekend might turn into a – turn into a just a, a commit fest all of a sudden so sean what the heck is going on right now yeah asking you shall receive um so last week we teased a potentially you see is haynes commit and surely enough as um really as soon as we went off and finished recording he committed to penn state um he's um again from lansdale pa uh, really, really impressive kid, really impressed when he was at Penn State camping. Um, and for uh, probably months now, or at least a few weeks, uh, we have pointed at uh, this June 17th weekend as a huge visit weekend uh, for Penn State. They have, I believe, all of their commitments visiting this weekend, uh, plus uh, quite a few more and um we, and Penn State picked up a couple crystal ball predictions uh, within the past 24 hours as well. So that's always uh, that's always a good sign. Yeah, and let's just stick on Haynes for just another minute or two. I did not know this, and I I, I didn't know maybe it was a, as up in the air as apparently it is, that he still might play defensive back for the Nittany Lions. Um, 
I would just saw him pretty much as a receiver. I think at the the last camp, he primarily just played wide receiver. But at least according to 24-7 Sports on their last episode, it sounded like there's still a possibility. And it's it's kind of up to him whether or not he wants to come in at, as a receiver or as a defensive back. So I guess that's something to pay attention to. If you're trying to look at the numbers moving forward, um, where he might end up, I, I still think he ends up at wide receiver. But it's something to at least pay attention to. Yeah, I have a feeling he'll end up at receiver as well. Um, you know, right now they're a little light on receivers in this class. They do. They had a bunch of commitments last year. Uh, I think they'll try to put him at receiver, but it's good to have a guy with posi- with position versatility that they could always move to corner. Um, so he's a guy again that kind of a guy that came on Penn State's radar uh, within the past month or two, and it seems like their relationship the relationship between uh, Yazid Haynes and the coaching staff has really blossomed. Yeah, and and I feel like it was kind of, I don't want to say it was out of nowhere, but in a way it was just like all of a sudden, I mean, the recruitment spiced up. He was potentially still going to go to Minnesota to, to visit, and now mm-hmm. it's just done, as simple as that. So uh, credit the staff for going in, getting the guy, he, he, he had that camp, and he really blossomed at the camp. And then it was like, boom, offer, and then, hey, we want you now. Camp comes back for another visit, and they're able to, to seal the deal. I think that's kind of what we had expected from Franklin's staff um, in the past you know, eight, nine years or so. But we lost a little bit of that kind of magic because of COVID. So it's nice to see that is that has definitely come back, and it hasn't seemed to, to, to miss a beat. So that that's nice. Um as you mentioned, Sean, big, 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 big weekend coming up. Um, well, I guess it's technically already started as we record this on Friday. Um, I am traveling on Sunday, so we are recording a little bit earlier, but right on a precipice of a huge weekend, Sean. Three guys now on 24-7 Crystal Ball um, picks in for Penn State. I don't know which let's let's talk Tariq Blanding first because I think he's the guy that I would feel most confident about committing this weekend. Uh the defensive uh lineman from New York, three star guy. Uh what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, uh again from New York, uh big dude. Um also interesting that he's going to be committing this weekend because as it stands right now, he's scheduled for a Michigan visit next week. So perhaps that visit doesn't happen um, or he, he joins Michigan's class and still has his visit next week. Uh, right now, it looks like Penn State is in the lead, though. Um, the experts from 24-7 Sports have uh, Tyreek Blanding crystal ball to Penn State. Again, from uh, New York, um, he's one of the top players in the state of New York. So this would be a pretty big get. Uh Impressive offer sheet with Penn State, uh, Michigan, uh, Oregon, Syracuse, and West Virginia all vying for his services. And, um, yeah, I think it would be uh, big for the defensive line and continuing to put that front seven together for this class. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think also since there's so many guys on the defensive line that – I feel like Penn State is at least a little bit behind and or maybe, you know, at best case, 50-50 for right now. Uh, talk about the one guy from Moore that's, that's probably a Notre Dame lean at this point. Yes. Um, I think this is a, at least gives you some sort of kind of safety blanket 
And and Blanding's good in his own right. No, let's not act like he's he's a bad player by any stretch of the imagination. He's he's not a blue chip five star guy or anything like that that is going to blow people out of the water across the country. But he's a guy that at the very worst is going to provide much needed depth moving forward. So I think that that's a good strong pickup. And and also, how many times is it one guy that commits? And and I guess technically that credit would go to Haynes. But all of a sudden, people start getting on the train, and it's like, oh, this guy commits. And that kind of puts a little bit more pressure on someone else to commit because there's only so many spots, and there's only so many guys. I should say it a different way. There are very few guys that Penn State will make room for regardless. Everyone else is kind of like, hey, we offered you. It's out there. You better take it before someone else does. Blanding is a guy who's definitely going to take it um, if he wants it because okay. he's not a guy they're going to hold on for. Uh, so I, I expect that to happen. Uh, let's talk King Mack a little bit. Four-star guy from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, mm-hmm. at that safety defensive back position. What are, what are your thoughts on him, Sean? Yeah, he's also a guy who's visiting this weekend. Uh, has a reputation for being very physical. Uh, he's from St. Thomas Aquinas, which is a huge school down in uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, he's teammates with Conrad Hussey, uh, who's um, also a safety commit from from. Uh, yeah, from from St. Thomas Aquinas. So very interesting to have two guys who were, you know, manning the back seven in the same high school, also coming to the same university potentially. Um, you know, also a guy, very impressive offer list. It looks like Penn State's going to be able to prevail over Michigan State and Arkansas. Um, and I'm I would look for maybe a commitment this weekend, being that he is visiting he is one of those guys on that um long talked about um visit list this weekend does he have any other scheduled visits after this one sean um give me a second because i always think that's no no okay so no he visited michigan state last week but it doesn't look like he has anything else uh, scheduled after after penn state this week okay see that makes me feel a little bit better i always like that i like when penn state kind of gets the last say in things um, typically also if they've waited to, if they waited for Penn state, I mean, there's a good reason if, whether they realize it or not, there's a reason why they hadn't committed somewhere else yet. So I always like that. I always think that's a good sign of, if, if someone has put you last and has waited to get to you and hasn't committed and pulled the trigger somewhere else. And they're, they are a guy that wants to get the, the process done before their, their senior season. I, I'm always a big fan of that. Uh, and we've talked a lot about, um, well, I guess we haven't really talked a lot about how the safety group and also the safety recruiting has has really been impressive since Point Dexter has has gotten here and what a marvelous job he's done. I mean, it's it's honestly incredible the the four chip guys that we're getting, the development of the guys that we have. I mean, safety not that long ago was a position of weakness. I mean, yeah, Marcus Allen was a lot of things. I, I don't know if he was a sound player by by any stretch of imagination he could he could come up and run support but as far as coverage safeties go um they've been few and far between so it's it almost seems like there's a little bit of a i don't know if it's just a hotbed right now or just the mojo's flowing but point is doing a fantastic job with the safety position yeah absolutely um you know penn state and all of its scheduled history all of it's not um all of its uh storied history They've never had a defensive back taken in the first round. Um, so I have a feeling that could change uh, very quickly. 
um, especially with a guy like King Mac, who is, you know, in addition to his physical skills, um, is known as a guy who could drop into coverage and um, take the ball away. Um, so I think if, and a lot of it, and a lot of it comes down to recruiting. Like Jaquan Brisker was one of the best players in junior college. Uh, so was Jair Brown. So being able to bring in the Jimmies and Joes like they've been able to, that's gonna that's gonna produce good results for you, and it has. And I think the days of the slow on athletic safeties, the Penn State, I, I think they've long been gone. But now it looks like they're gonna be more in the uh, ball hawk kind of mold. I also think it's one of those positions. Everyone talks about how competition really increases um, development. I think we've seen that a lot with the defensive backs in the past couple of seasons. I mean, you look like a guy like uh, Marquise Wilson, who when he first got here and he played, we're like, oh, that guy's going to play for the next three years straight starting. And now we're still not really sure. Now he's back at at corner full time. Uh, We're not really sure if he's – how much he's going to play yet. And it just – if you think about when he came as a true freshman, it was like, oh, this guy's going to play all the time. And that's just kind of the way the, the the defensive back room is as a whole now. I mean, you've got guys that you feel good about behind. I don't know the last time I've ever felt good about a two deep in the secondary, but pretty much at every spot now, feel pretty good. Even the safety spots feel really good about the guys we have coming up. So I don't remember the last time I ever would have thought about that. No, usually like in the past, and Tom Bradley's defenses were great, but they were largely, largely predicated on having that great front seven. And to to his credit, they always did. But the back end, you were always afraid when you play against um, a better than average quarterback. Where now, I don't really, I don't really feel that way. I think our guys could could compete. And it is is if when you're playing a team like Ohio State, who we always know is going to have a bunch of good receivers, are they going to win? Some, are they going to win their battle sometimes? Sure, but it's being able to minimize those big plays. It's being able to lull a guy like C.J. Stroud into a mistake. Uh, that's what you need. And if you're able to do that, and you're able to hold them from getting out you know, getting way out in front, that's going to pay big time dividends for your team. And now with Manny Diaz's uh, more aggressive style coming in, I'm even more excited to see how many uh, turnovers we could have in the secondary. Right, right. And I mean, you just kind of think back and I hate to pick at the scab, but if you look back at 2017 or even 2016 for that matter, and if the safety plays a little bit better, you kind of wonder maybe if there was a couple more opportunities to win a couple more games out there. If the, it, you know, if we just play a little bit better on the back on a back sure. seven. So that, that also is something I thought about for a while. It, it was easy to blame everybody else, but you know, sometimes if we just had a little bit more command in the secondary, maybe some of those games, you know, the USC or the the Ohio State in 2017, or maybe some of those games, heck, even the Michigan State in 2018. Um, yeah. Maybe some of those games kind of go a little bit different. So that that's just one thing I think about. And I, I've thought about how many safeties, defensive backs that we've been at least in the running for in the past couple of seasons, in the past couple cycles. And you're just like, wow, like pretty much a lot of the four chip guys 
are at least interested, are going to visit. And that, that definitely wasn't the case. Uh, let's, Sean, let's talk about the other guy. You mentioned him uh, last episode. Guy from your area. You're going to get to see him play. Uh, running back um, Montgomery out of Scranton Prep. Yeah, London Montgomery. He's a three-star guy from uh, Scranton Prep. He's so little background on football in the five seven zero. Um, it's not really known as a football hotbed, um, and that's not an insult to anybody, but it's just very well known. Uh, but London Montgomery really blew up after his junior season, and I knew how good of a football player he was. But there's a big, comp- big question. Is he just the biggest fish in a small pond? Is he just a guy that is able to beat up on, you know, weaker competition? Uh, but he he had a very good track season. He balled out at all of the at all the camps that he was at. And he's he's a pretty he's been a pretty quick riser and he's landed some pretty big time offers, of course, from Penn State's been on him probably since his uh his season ended but there was questions about whether or not it was a quote-unquote committable offer or not uh but now it definitely is he's um and he's also picked up offers from michigan state michigan iowa virginia tech uh boston college has been has been hot on him um and i and he just picked up crystal ball predictions to penn state I always kind of saw Penn State as the leader for him as long as, you know, he had the green light to commit and it looks like he does and I'm thinking that with the that very very soon uh London Montgomery is going to join this class. And how do you feel? I mean, do you think Montgomery's a guy who could because we've had so many blue chip guys and the last three star, and it sounds so demeaning, but the last three star guy was Journey Brown, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think? I mean, obviously, as of right now, Montgomery can come in next year and he can start because I we don't know any better because we haven't seen anybody do anything for almost two seasons. Um, but do you think Montgomery, as far as competing with these other four star guys, a guy like Singleton or a guy like Katron Allen? Uh, or even a Kevon Lee moving forward. Do you think he has that ability to to fit in with the squad? Well, it's very interesting you bring up Journey Brown because he was the first one I thought of. He was another guy that came from a school that the football around there, it the competition wasn't great. And he was seen as he was also kind of seen as a big fish, small pond kind of guy. So do I think he has a chance to compete? I, I do because he does do things on the on the um you know with track. Uh, he's a great football. He's a great high school football player. He always puts on a show. Uh, do, do I think he's a blue chip guy? No, but do I see a scenario where he could be a a, a really productive back for Penn State? I do. Uh, also interesting that Tryon that Tryon Webb who was just up from Florida. Um, he's another running back from what I understand, you know, he's still, if he wants, if Webb wants to come to Penn state, excuse me, he definitely could. Um, but if, uh, but I think it's kind of imperative for Mr. Montgomery right now to commit as soon as possible, because I wouldn't want to see a spot possibly get, get, uh, snatched up. 
So I'd be looking for him to commit rather soon. Right. I mean, he kind of falls in that same blank that we were just talking about. I am curious, as far as Webb is concerned, as far as far as I have heard, it seems like maybe Penn State's fallen a little bit behind there. Yeah, I would still expect Florida to be the school for for Webb. And, and speaking of Florida, uh, we were talking about King Mac. Maybe we should just bring up, are, are we concerned that there's still an opportunity for him to flip to Florida, even if he commits to Penn State? I know that's something... Um, at least on the message boards, I've, I've seen people a little concerned about that. Sure. I think anytime you have a guy, especially a guy that's out of your quote unquote footprint, um, that there's always a concern that they could flip, but I think you just take, take it right now for what it is and roll with it. Um, but is there is there a concern with anybody from Florida or if you're getting a guy from Texas or California, really anywhere? Yeah, sure. Um, but I would still expect him, you know, if he commits, more than likely he's going to join the class. And that's the same for pretty much anybody who commits to you. Yeah, especially especially in this day and age. I mean, that's just, that's just the nature of the beast. Um, one other guy I think we need to talk about um, we, we've, we've talked about him a lot in the last couple of weeks, but I think it's some guy that that's been making a lot of moves lately. And I don't know if he's, he's purposely kind of playing with people a little bit, or he's just having fun with the recruitment process. Um, I, I'm not sure exactly what Tony Rojas is thinking. Uh, it took an unofficial visit to Georgia this during the week this week. Um, Obviously, Penn State fans not the happiest with Georgia right now because of Joshua Miller, Miller uh, flipping to Georgia this past week. But right after, or, or at least I think it was yesterday, tweeted out nit- about Nittany Lion fans and how you know he's ready to visit. So I guess that's some positive news. I, I don't know what to take at this point with Mr. Rojas. Yeah, I'm not sure either, <laughs> to, to be completely honest with you. Uh, I also read about his visit to Georgia. It seemed to go well. Um, but Penn State has a chance this weekend to try to get things. I don't know if there's stuff to get right, but to further drive home their, um, uh, their selling point and to try to really sell Tony Rojas, who's a guy they've known for a long, long time, on their school. And we've discussed in previous pods that for the foreseeable future, anytime a guy has a Georgia offer, Georgia's going to be tough to turn down, especially for a defensive player uh, with Kirby Smart being there. But it seems very foggy, but we'll just have to strap in and see what happens. <laughs> it just seems like this is a big weekend for for James Franklin and company to, to get Rojas on board. I, 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 we haven't had any crystal balls or anything like that, but I mean, this could go from a super weekend to a marvelous weekend if they're able to get even two of the four of these guys that we just talked about, especially if one of them's Rojas. If they get Rojas on board, I really think you can start seeing the uh, the chips beginning to fall because, and he would be kind of that first, I shouldn't say first, but one of the bigger pieces of this class, and, and this class. I don't think it's going to end up top 10, uh, probably around top you know, 15 or so. And, and although that's a, maybe a, a, perhaps a little bit disappointment 
as far as what the class was last year, um, there's still some really good prospects that Penn State has a good chance of getting. So I know we were relatively negative last week, but like I said, things could change fast. And if they get one or two more commits here, we could be in the same sort of position we were in last year as far as the recruits coming off the board for the Nittany Lions. Yeah, and recruiting is just such a weird thing because we're all worried about Tony Rojas right now. But we could be feeling the opposite by Monday. And really, we it, it's so tough because it's so hard to figure out like who's falling behind, who's going ahead. Uh, I, I know an unofficial visit during the week, that, that's not good. And that's kind of how you have to look at recruiting. If a guy's taking an unofficial visit to another school during the week, that means he's seriously interested, especially with another official visit coming up. But it's hard to say. Like like you said, what if the unlikely happens and Tony Ross commits this weekend? I'm not expecting it. But what if it does? And when a guy is, just like we talked about last week, these guys could change their mind a hundred times before it's lunchtime. Um. So you have to keep that in mind, but just pay attention to what they do. Uh, not necessarily what they talk about, not necessarily what they have scheduled, but what they do. And you kind of go from there. But right now it looks like a huge toss up uh, with with Tony Rojas. Right. And we'll just have to wait and see. And, and it's a, a toss up with a lot of different people. Um, before we get to Auburn and previewing Auburn, which, by the way, if you haven't caught our, if you haven't caught our first two previews, um, they're on YouTube for Purdue and Ohio. The one for Auburn is almost done, so that one should be up maybe today, maybe tomorrow. Um, but if you want more, I would say a little bit more in-depth preview, the previous two episodes have also covered them um, for about 20 minutes or so. So two places to kind of get the previews for the next, whatever, two months or so. Um, or two and a half months, really. Uh, so make sure you're checking all those out. Make sure you're subscribing on YouTube. Before we get to Auburn, though, I do want to talk a little name, image, and likeness for you today. Uh, I do want to briefly say that I talked to Matt Brown with Extra Points uh, just because I was curious about how the new EA Sports college football game is going along. And they are still working on name, image, and likeness contracts, a universal one to get all the players paid. So if you're curious about how all that's going, um, they haven't figured it all out yet. I'm not sure what the the situation is, but they still have a a tentative release for next year, around July-ish. So we'll see. Um, You know, you don't don't know how these things are going to really go. I, he seemed it was pretty unlikely they wouldn't be able to get a deal done with everybody. The issue is there is no sort of universal bargaining agreement like they have for the NFL. So it's a little bit trickier. So we'll just got to pay attention to it. But I thought I'd throw those two cents in uh, since I talked to, to Matt um, this morning. Uh, the other thing, Caden uh, Wallace, Devon Ellis, and Adisa Isaac signing a deal with um, the hotel downtown, Tapestry Hotel downtown, uh, one-year deal, making some money there, Sean. Yeah, you love to see that. Uh, you love to see the guys making some making some cash. Uh, interesting that's a one. I, I find a lot of these one-year deals um, 
intriguing <laughs> because you have to wonder and you hope that that offer could still be on the table for next season. Like, did do you remember a uh, little, little off the beaten, beaten path, but still related uh, DJ, you, Uli Clemson, you late, you Galele. Did I get that right? Um, you absolutely. <laughs> hold on. You absolutely butchered that. DJ. Yes. <laughs> but I would love yeah. for you to keep trying for the rest of the podcast. Can we just listen to you? The The funniest thing yeah. is when he first came on the scene, everybody was butchering it. And I'm pretty sure I'm not even getting it 100% right. But I think it was close to like the holidays and stuff. So you have your granddad who's already had three bourbon. He's trying to pronounce DJ <laughs> Ula Galele, and he's not even remotely remotely close. Um I'll never forget, I was dating this girl at the time, and her, her granddad called LeBron James LeBaron, and I almost I almost spat out my water. I was crying when he called him LeBaron James. Oh, man. But anyway, continue, Sean. <laughs> okay, so the, Cle- the Clemson quarterback, he had a deal with Dr. Pepper, apparently, and I only saw him on, like, one or two commercials, and Clemson's off. Offense struggled last year. I don't think it was all due to him, but they struggled. And then all of a sudden, you didn't see him anymore. So I, I'm curious to see like how a lot of these NIL deals, even with local establishments like Tapestry, that, that that's what it's with, right? That's yeah. Honestly, I I couldn't tell you exactly. I, okay, I, it is that one downtown that's not very yeah. big. Yeah. So even like a small time one like that, not even Dr Pepper. I just wonder how a lot of these are. Structured. Like, are there incentives? Uh, do you get more money if this happens? Do you get less money if that happens? So I'm just, I'm, I'm very curious to how these work. And I'm sure every deal is completely different. I think, and now no one quote me on this. I think Penn Live or whatever they call themselves now. Um, I think they had a story, if you're curious about the intricate details of the deal i don't even know it's a it's a subscriber exclusive only so i haven't read it um and nor would i rec i'm gonna be honest with people that listen i recommend the athletic because i think the athletic is worth it um i don't recommend pen live that's just my personal opinion i recommend 24 7 sports in a heartbeat um in my, in my personal opinion i i would not recommend pen live but if you are very curious about the intricate details of, and you know what? I don't even think, I think that was for Nick Singleton's deal. I'm sorry. So that was Nick Singleton's endorsement deal with West Shore Home. They have a, an exclusive one on that. Uh, but I swear I thought I'd saw one uh, for for those guys, but I, I could be wrong. So, But Penn Live has been trying to get into that a little bit. Um, again, since we're talking about that, Recommend the athletic. I recommend twenty four seven. I don't have a blue white, but I think um, there's some value there. And, um, and and I'm not in one sports yet, but I've seen some good stuff out of them as well. That's just my personal thought. Sean, do you want to add anything to that so I don't sound completely like it's just me bashing everybody? <laughs> no, I understand where you're coming from. I think some of the Pen Live writers, um, I've had disagreements with them over the years. I'm not going to name names, but I have. Um, and I also have a 24 7 sports subscription and the athletic subscription. 
I totally agree. Uh, I think Audrey Snyder is is one of is one of the best in college football. Um, one of the best at covering her team in college football. I think she's awesome. Um, yeah, I also don't have a Blue White Illustrated um, subscription. Never had one. Uh, but I I you don't like my grandpa actually still gets like the the um, magazine form mailed to his house. So. I know they they're still putting out content, um, and he's had it since before I was born. So, yeah, if you want to check that out, uh, I know they have exclusive content online too. If you don't feel like reading through a magazine, <laughs> um, and on one is they're the new kids on the block. So we'll have to see what happens with them over the next few years. Yep, yep. I'm not. I, I don't even like getting the recruiting thing very much as is. Um, that's why we rely on Sean for a lot of it. But it's hard for me once I finally just said, okay, I'll dive into the 24-7 stuff. Um, which, by the way, guys, we try to do a pretty good job of only providing free content. Uh, we try not to let any huge things slip. I think we've done a pretty good job of that. Um, but I don't really want to dive into a whole nother recruiting atmosphere that is one sports and what they're trying to get into. I think... Is Ryan Snyder over there? He does a really good job. I think he's over there. Um, but it's just like, God, it's just yeah, one more thing. Yeah, I think he left Rivals and went over there. Okay. It's just, it's just tough to tough to, to kind of keep track. And, and Rivals, I think Penn State had its own Rivals thing too, but I I don't really follow that very much. So, um, But if you're listening to us, that's awesome. That's all that really matters. Um, anywho. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know the details of all this kind of things. I can't imagine they're making that much money. I mean, oh, Corey, Corey, Corey. It's actually on three sports. Oh, I'm sorry. Not one. <laughs> we, we both got that wrong. No, it's on three. Okay. So there we go. On three, which yeah. I guess makes a little bit more sense for college football, but on three sports. But it looks like one. So if you see one, it, it looks like one. Um, it that's does. how the logo is confusing. That, that's how little we are currently following on three sports. But they do good stuff there. I, I've, seen some good things over there but uh but yeah i don't know the specific details of some of that stuff but it's nice to see some of the guys like especially a guy like adisa isaac who i don't know maybe tapestry hotel knows something we don't and adisa isaac's about to explode onto the scene after having an injury last season i don't really know but i'm excited for them i thought i'd throw that out there since penn state gets such a bad rap lately and i think that kind of us talking about it, we need to do a better job being positive about it because how we talk about it in our huge audience that we currently have, um, people listen and people, you know, kind of talk about what they hear. And if we're a little bit more optimistic, perhaps other people will be too because it, it's a recruiting perception kind of thing. If 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 that gets out to everybody, then everyone thinks Penn State sucks at it. Then guess what? Penn State's going to suck at it. Um, so, uh, so yeah, let's just kind of, you know, try to maybe say a little bit positive with it and, and point out the NIL deals that we think are worth talking about. And, and that's kind of a bigger one that we saw lately. Um, one couple other notes. I saw Michigan is going to be the uh, – Michigan will be hosting a maze out for when Penn State comes to town. So I don't really know the record on the maze out. I want to say they had a maze out in 20 – let's say 2018. Um, but I honestly couldn't tell you for sure. All I know is it's never fun to play out in Ann Arbor for us the last couple of years, and that probably won't be very much fun either. Um, one other note before we dive deep into Auburn, thought I would point out to everybody for following us on Twitter, you've already seen 
Um, Auburn is having a whiteout game. They have a scheduled whiteout, wear white, and they've chosen that opponent to be Mercer. So you don't have to worry about a whiteout imitation against Penn State. They are going to use it for their first game against Mercer. So um, perhaps a missed opportunity there. I'm just saying, if I'm Auburn and I'm trying to create a little bit of content, create a little bit of uh, social interaction, I'm making a whiteout for for the game against Penn State. I mean, that that would get things, people talking at the very least. Oh, if I was Auburn, I would definitely do the whiteout for Penn State. <laughs> and not as like, sort of a mind games thing maybe a little bit um but that's just kind of how i am and i'm like oh they have this big whiteout every year well we're gonna have one for when they come um maybe but i'm i'm a little bit petty though uh, admittedly right i am too i'm i am very much petty as well so um i thought i'd point that was those out because i thought that was funny also I, and we'll talk about actually we'll, we'll hold on to that for a second because we'll, we'll talk about Auburn in just one second. But before we do, um, this was from 24-7 Sports um, from Josh Pate on his YouTube show. Highly, highly recommend you check out his YouTube show. Um, he talks about all the teams, gives you a nice universal kind of look over everybody. And he had this to say. He was going through all of his different teams for 2022. And he was going with optimistically reasonable expectations. So reasonable, but if, if there's a coin toss, he's going to say yes. Um, and this is what he kind of had to say about Penn State. And we're going to play that for you maybe right now. Penn State, I'm going to get pretty aggressive here. There were seven and six last year. Uh, Penn State, I reasonably expect them to be at 10 and two this year. If I'm a Nittany Lions fan, same theme as 2021. I think we talked about this a little bit on the Sunday show. When we were entering the 2021 season, we knew if we were Penn State fans, a couple of things. We knew that we were opening on the road at Wisconsin, and we knew we had Auburn coming in here in week three, and those were going to be coin flip point spread games. But if we won both of them, we could be off to the races. Well, here was the good bad of that. The good news is they won both of the games. Then the bad news is they went to Iowa undefeated, and they came back with one loss and no quarterback. And also, Will Levis had transferred, so they really were in dire straits at the quarterback position, and then the season went off the rails. Okay, well, we got that quarterback back in Sean Clifford, and we've got a fresh start this year, but it feels a lot like 2021 because what do we have? Lo and behold, we got a road game against Purdue to start the year. We're favored by three. Then, two weeks later, we're going to go to Auburn, very unfamiliar territory for us on the road, and uh, that line's like one either way. So another pair of coin flip games in the first three weeks of the season for Penn State will largely, well, I guess it'll totally spell out whether I've got a shot with this 10-2 and reasonable record projection or not, because if they drop either one of those games, which I need them to be 2-0 and in, if they drop either one of them, and I know I've still got to go to Michigan, I've got Minnesota, I've got Ohio State, and I've got Michigan State at the end of the year. It's going to be tough. Not undoable, but it's going to be tough. However, if you're watching on YouTube and you're looking at the schedule, imagine if they do get through that Ohio State game. If they get through October with one loss or undefeated, it's a whole different ballgame. But if they're a one-loss team and they get into November, it's not exactly a murderer's row in November. They go to Indiana, then they've got Maryland, then they go to Rutgers, and then they've got a big game against Michigan State to end the season. So, 
number of things could happen here. But again, I told you we're erring on the side of aggression with these expectations. Ten and two. It is reasonable for you to expect that. There you have it. Josh Pate. Again, go check him out on YouTube. Uh, he also has a podcast on Wednesdays. Uh, that, and again, he's part of 24-7 Sports and CBS. Sean, I mean, that it seems pretty optimistic coming from a guy who's a very – first of all, he's a Georgia fan at heart, um, but he's a Southern guy. He, he's a big SEC guy. Um, he just said he, he expects Penn State to be 2-0, and including beating Auburn, and then reasonable expectation 10-2. and What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I think that's a reasonably optimistic prediction. Could it happen? Sure. Uh, I think going into 2019 – the reasonable optimistic prediction would probably be 10 and 2 and that's what Penn State ended up being. Could I see 10 and 2? I could. Could I also see 7 and 5? Yes. Yes. Um and he, he did point out that you know, Will Levis transferring uh we didn't really have a guy apparently that they trusted to go into well Taquan Robertson to go into the Iowa game but he didn't play competently at all um yeah that's that's a reasonable prediction i think um but i wouldn't predict it (laughs) that's fair that's fair um yeah i'm gonna just hold it at that because i think we've talked a lot about the schedule uh not too long ago and i think we're gonna talk a lot about it obviously in the next two months but I see where he's coming at. Let's focus in on he's expecting Penn State to win on the road at Auburn. Now, I've done a pretty decent amount of research into Auburn um, in the past day or two to prepare for the YouTube video, but also to prepare for this podcast. Sean, what are your first thoughts on Auburn as you started kind of looking in, in, and figuring out this team a little bit? Uh, they're probably going to be okay. I think a lot like last year. They do lose quite a bit from last year. Um, they're replacing Bo Nix. I actually think they're going to be upgrading at the quarterback position. I was really impressed last year by Zach Calzada uh, when he came, when he uh, defeated Alabama with Texas. Uh, he's a transfer from Texas A&M, and they defeated Alabama. Uh, you know that's going to go over very well at Auburn. <laughs> Uh, they also bring back T.J. Finley to compete for the starting job. He struggled most of the time that he was in last year. Uh, it's also big that they get Tank Bigsby back. He was super, super impressive last year. Uh, but outside of that, like their offense, it, it, they're breaking in quite a few uh, different receivers. Uh, they're on offense. Uh, they lost Derek Mason last last year, their defensive coordinator. Um, he's going to Oklahoma State, uh, according to Athlon Sports, for pay cut. Um, so that's interesting. And there's been a lot of speculation about uh, Brad Harson or Brian Harson, excuse me, uh, going into 2022. There were a lot of off-the-field rumors and innuendos. And Personally, I don't think he's a great fit there. I never did. You're bringing a guy from the Pacific Northwest into coach in the SEC. Um, how do you expect that to go? <laughs> and 
you know, like I said, they have to replace a lot of guys, and they were only six and seven last year. So I'm not expecting them to be a great team, but they could surprise us as well. Sean, I'm gonna I'm gonna completely and a hundred percent disagree with you. And um and I could see what where you're coming from. And I can see how there is opportunity for them to struggle, especially since we don't know who's gonna be playing quarterback yet. I do agree. I think I think Calzada's gotta be the guy. Um, they they do have Finley coming back, like you mentioned. They did bring in Oregon transfer Robbie Ashford as well, and they have two other four star guys that sat last year. So they've got a pretty stocked quarterback room. They got a lot of different options to go to. Um, you you mentioned the new defensive or old defensive coordinator Mason coming out. Jeff Schmetting is coming in. Um, he was promoted from within, and then new offense coordinator Eric Keysaw as well is coming in. So. From that perspective, it's very clear. It seems there's some there's some learning to to have happened, right? There's there's going to be some growing pains early in the season. Before I say anything else, I want to say I am very very happy that Penn State plays this Auburn team in Week Three. If they had to come and play Auburn at the end of the season, um, I do not like that for a lot of different reasons. First of all, Penn State's ability to, um withstand injuries especially at important positions has not been great lately uh, i wouldn't expect john clifford to probably even play in that game but i think auburn by the end of the year is going to be a team that has it figured out especially if they can figure out the quarterback position on top of that they still have a lot back on offense they got four of their five offensive linemen back so they're going to have seniors across the board they are going to have Arguably, a top three running back in Tank Bigsby. Arguably, top three. Some would probably put him number two. Some might put him at four. But regardless, he's really good. Behind him, Jarquez Hunter, when he got in the game against Penn State, I thought he looked really good, too. He, he's, not a, he's not a tough guy. He's a fast guy. But I think he's really good. And then one other guy, uh, Damari Alston, is a four-star running back, already being hyped up as a guy who might be able to get a lot of carries this year. So they're stacked at the running back position. They probably should have ran the ball more than they did last year, even against Penn State. Um, Tank Bigsby had a pretty good game against us. A lot of games, Tank Bigsby did not get enough carries. In fact, I have written down here, there were seven games where Tank Bigsby ended up with less than 70 yards. There is no excuse for that. Um, but that should just never, ever, ever happen. So Mike Bobo had some explaining to do as far as that, um, as far as that goes. Um, I know if you ask Auburn fans, people are happy Bo Nix is gone. People, whether it's Finley, whether it's Kazada, whether it's Ashford, they're happy about the direction of the offense. They get John Samuel. Uh, uh, oh my goodness. Uh, John Samuel Shank, Sankter, Shankter, Shankter, Shank, Shank. I think, I think that's Shank. right. Something like that. <laughs> um, he, be- believe it or not, and, and it's Shanker, um, somehow, and I had to look this up to make sure, broke the single season record for catches for a tight end last year, had 33. The record before was 16, 15 or so. Which I it made me look back and and do some funny stats. Penn State had a tight end 
1952 who had 33 catches in a single season. So the fact that Auburn went that long with a guy that only had 16 catches at tight end just puzzled the hell out of me. I thought I'd share that little fun piece of information. But why I think there's journalism. Yeah, that's that's what we're here for. Um, But the reason why I'm excited about this Auburn team is not really because of the offense, because we don't know who the quarterback is. I get it. The receiving position, it's fairly unknown. Um, they, they lost a lot there. The guy who fumbled the ball in the Penn State game, Kobe Hudson, he actually went to UCF, and he was only a freshman last year, and he, he played a lot of football. Um, they do have Landon King back. They do have Shredrick Jackson back, who had 40 catches. Um, they do bring in a transfer, uh, the Zalen Warsham from Miami. I think he'll play well, uh, but there's a lot of question marks there. So I can see why somebody would look at the offense like, well, we don't really know yet. But they can at least rely on a guy like Tank Bigsby and an experienced offense line, although not that great last year, still experienced. But why I think this team is going to be good is somehow I think their defense is going to be even better than last year. And their defense is pretty good last year. I think they only gave up 21 points per game maybe. Um, really solid defense. They, did, they didn't turn the ball over enough on defense, only had – uh, in 11 of their games, they only had eight turnovers, so they, they need to work on that. But the defensive line somehow got even better. They got three of their four guys back. Derek Hall and Col- Colby Wooden at the defensive end positions combined for 21 TFLs. Um, both of those guys are back. They got Marcus Harris back at defensive tackle. And then if that wasn't enough, they got Jason Jones, the defensive tackle from Oregon, transferring in. He's a big son of a gun. So you got a lot of depth and a lot of experience at the defensive line position going up against a Penn State offensive line that we have no idea how good they're going to be. So that scares me a little bit. The good news-ish is I think there's opportunity in the back seven. They do lose two linebackers and they do lose two defensive backs in the back. So there is maybe a little glimmer of hope if if Sean Clifford can be the six-year quarterback you kind of expected him to be. Um, But the thing is they are recruiting extremely well. In fact – in the past four, year, four years, their average is only one spot behind Penn State's. So they're bringing in just as much as talent as Penn State has. Um, when games like that happen, you can't rely on just having better talent. And sometimes in these kind of games, you want to have the ability to run the ball. And, I mean, there's no question. I mean, Auburn gets the advantage in that. You got Tank Bigsby. And, and we saw what Tank Bigsby could do against Penn State last year. They were able to run the ball extremely well. Um, they kind of just got away from it, and that was kind of the story of Auburn all year. So overall, Sean, I think this Auburn team, a lot of people are saying six wins. A lot of people are saying maybe seven wins. They don't leave Jordan-Hare Stadium until October 8th. They have all of their non-conference games at home, including Western Kentucky right before the Iron Bowl. But then they have LSU and they have Missouri all at, at home before they go finally on the road at Georgia. And they do play at Alabama this year too. So that's not easy at Georgia, at Alabama. Okay, you put those two losses down. But then they get Arkansas at home. They do have they uh, they do got to go to Ole Miss. But they got some good opportunities. And I don't know, Sean. I, I like them more this year. And not just because they're playing at home. But right now, I, I would be hard-pressed to give the advantage to Penn State in this game. Yeah, um, I could. I, I think I agree with a little bit of what you're saying. Um, it's just like I, I wasn't very inspired by them last year. I think it's a 
kind of addition by subtraction, getting rid of Mike Bobo. Um, I thought he called a terrible game against Penn State last year. There were a lot of head scratch, a lot of head scratchers. Uh, Derek, you weren't, losing you weren't Derek, a fan of the goal line fade? No, <laughs> no, that's exactly what I'm thinking. I, a lot of it just didn't make sense what they did. Hey, I'm thrilled, but <laughs> I I just wasn't very impressed by what I saw. Um, a lot of it is, though, I wonder about the culture that Brian Harson's building down there. And it's not even an indictment on him personally. I just think it's a culture uh, mismatch. They had a lot of transfers. They had coaches leave uh, for lateral jobs. And that could that could have a bad effect on on a on a team on a team uh especially in their first couple years there and it'll be in, it, i'm curious to see if he'll be able to weather the storm uh i having i agree with you though having take having tank bigsby back with four offensive line four offensive linemen that's got to help now i don't think their offensive line was anything really to write home about last year but they were pretty good they were able to run the ball uh, and a lot of the reason, like you said, that Bigsby didn't have more yards was they would go away from him and put their faith in TJ Finley and Bo Nix. And that one is about as well as you can imagine, hearing who they went to, to trust in, in big-time spots. Um, losing the guys on defense, um, that that I think could be, could be a challenge. Uh, I would remind Penn State fans, though that in my opinion the best game Sean Clifford played in his whole career at Penn State was against Auburn and Auburn had a good defense last year and they lose a guy like Roger McCreary they lose um Smoke Monday so you would imagine that Penn State even though Jahan Dotson's gone they should be able to put some points up through the air uh but unfortunately I would probably agree with the Last thing you said too that I would give Auburn possibly a slight edge right now uh, because they do things well that could be a bad matchup with Penn State for Penn State and it's on the road and it's going to be a hostile environment. They Auburn does not want to get swept twice by the uh, Yankees coming in from up north, so I would probably at this point maybe give Auburn probably give Auburn a slight edge to win this one. But I hope for our sake and for Corey's sake, who will be at this game, I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I hope so too. But and, and I think this prediction will very, very much depend on what we look like in the first two weeks, right? I mean, if, if we're able to yes. run the ball better, I think that's a whole different story. If But we just don't know anything yet. So I think that's important. And, and as far as – I agree with what you're saying as far as the culture thing. If Auburn was able to, they would have got rid of Brian Hartson after one year last year. There was that much disdain for him, and and they would have tried to get rid of him if they could have. They lost, I believe it was, five straight games to end the season, and you do that anywhere in the South, people are going to be mad at you. The reason they couldn't was because they didn't have any money. Uh, the, the buyout on Gus Malzahn was so big, they, they literally couldn't afford uh, to – get rid of Harson and then somehow afford another big time coach. So that means Harson's coming in and 
he has two options. He can go, I would probably say eight and four, but probably needs to go nine and three. Or he can just beat Alabama. Those are kind of his two options. So whatever one he decides, that's up to him. But that's that's seriously probably what he's looking at because they they don't like him down here. And it is a culture thing. And you talk about the Yankee thing. I live down here. It is a thing. They don't think Pens- Pennsylvania people care that much about football. They they honestly, people think that Pennsylvania is in New England. Some people think that the whole state of Pennsylvania is like a city. They don't think there's – my dude, you have no idea. Pennsylvania is more redneck than Auburn. But – that's just the perception because they have no idea. So they don't really think we have any idea what football is like in the South, but they don't realize is they also have really have much of an idea of what football is in Penn state. So I think that's always been an interesting dynamic, but no, absolutely. The pressure's on Harson, and I don't know how that's going to work. Cause you're going to be absolutely right. This whole thing. I mean, especially a couple months ago was looking really bleak for Auburn. It settled down a little bit. Um, I think mostly because people realize they don't have much of a choice. Two new coordinators. It's, they've had three offensive coordinators in 14 months. So I don't know really what to expect from the offense. But I do know that they've got guys that can play. And it doesn't matter what offense you're in. As far as handing the ball off to Tank Bigsby, it's about the same play every time. Um, that gives me a little bit of confidence that they'll do something. Um but it totally could blow up in their face, especially if they lose to someone they're not supposed to. Like if San Jose State comes to town the week before Penn State. If they lose to San Jose State, which, by the way, San Jose State, if, if you don't know, Mountain West team, not a bad team anymore. A pretty respectable team out there in the, in the Mountain West Conference. Um, if they would, for some reason, slip up to them or if they get their doors blown off by us, or if LSU comes in and they take care of business, because who knows what LSU is going to be like, um, before they even get into the Georgia, the A&M, the Arkansas, the Ole Miss, the Alabama, I mean, oh, you could you could be looking at a really bad season, and he might not even make it through the whole season, because I that that's really what's kind of on the line already for uh, a coach that's just now in his second year. So... Sean, it's, it's it's a definite possibility, and I think that's something, if you're trying to figure out this game, if you're trying to figure out what Auburn is going to be like, that is something you need to pay attention to in the first couple of weeks. So what does the culture look like? What is there rifting going on, or is this team bought in? Because I'm telling you, if this team buys in and they get on a little bit of a roll, I really think they're going to be a team you do not want to play at the end of the year. I, I just don't think they're they get it all figured out. They get the quarterback situation under you know under under uh, under uh, underneath them. I think they can do some crazy good things. That's why I'm very happy again that Penn State plays in week three because I don't think they're going to have it all together, um, and that, and that gives Penn State a pretty good chance chance on the road. Yeah, and what's the number one way you could fix a culture? Win games. If you win, these guys won't care if. You know, you're a top advisor to Kim Jong-un. They're not going to care. Just win games. And it's the same thing with any coach that's having an issue with the culture. You know, James Franklin didn't blend in at Penn State immediately. It took him a while to win the fans over um, and win his own players over. So you have to be able – so just win games. And honestly, a week three game against Penn State, that's a really good opportunity for this Auburn team to win 
to get a get a win over a big program under their belt. Uh, let me ask you. Uh, I'm curious about Gus Malzahn. In the South, like, and you live in Alabama, was it seen as a shock when he was fired, or was it something that a lot of people saw coming and really wanted? It was not a shock. A hundred percent Auburn fans wanted Gus out of there. A hundred percent. I don't agree with it, by the way. Still to this yeah, day. Yeah, that's interesting. If you look at what Gus Malzahn's done at UCF so far, they've brought in eight blue chip transfers that were originally in SEC to UCF. They are recruiting extremely well. I think UCF is going to be really good. Uh, they got a good quarterback over there. I think UCF is a team that, and we just mentioned Kobe Hudson, who obviously played at Auburn, but he was recruited by Gus Malzahn. He's going to be there now. I think UCF is going to be good. And Gus was, the reason why people didn't like Gus was pretty much because they didn't think he was letting other people run the offenses enough. He, they thought he was getting too involved in the offenses, not letting anyone else kind of do their thing, which is probably true. But... I think people are too quick to turn, especially down here in the South, where, where, where you lose a couple games, you're you're done. Even, and we look at his record against Alabama, not many people can win that many games against Nick Saban. Um, so, look, it, it, when it's all said and done, were they probably going to win another championship with Gus on? Probably not. But it, that's probably more because you have an incredible team in LSU in 2019. And then you had an incredible coach, the best coach of all time, and Nick Saban in your division. And if that isn't enough, a resurgence by Sam Pittman in Arkansas, a resurgence by Old Miss with Lane Kiffin, and and if that wasn't enough, Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher. So, and if I can add another and on top of that, their cross-protected rivalry game is Georgia. So have fun figuring that out every year. How do you expect a guy to win more? How do you put the the uh, the ceiling any higher than than nine wins? I mean, realistically, if you tell you know an Auburn coach to go nine and three every year with a loss to Alabama, Georgia, and A and M, that means you beat Ole Miss every year, you beat Arkansas every year, um, you went on the road and beat another SEC team that might have been pretty good that year and then you won all your non-conference games no slip-ups anywhere else so that's the expectation like people talk about the big 10 east being tough and i agree but overall as far as there being just good teams and i'd even mention lsu as far as that means you have to beat lsu every year um as far as there just being a good amount of really good teams, the SEC West is so much harder than the Big Ten East. Like, yes, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, when they're all really good, that's great. But Rutgers is still Rutgers. Besides 2020, Indiana is still Indiana. Um, Maryland is, even though they've tried really hard, is still Maryland. Those three teams are all really bad teams that you couldn't really compare to any team in the SEC West right now. If you put any team on the SEC West against Maryland, Rutgers, or Indiana, they're probably 14-point favorites. And, and I think that's where the SEC West right now is is the toughest division in college football. Yeah, and Big Ten fans don't like to hear this, um, but it's true. The team, being a really good team or being a great team in the SEC is completely different than being a great team in the Big Ten. 
Michigan's best team in the last 25 years was this past year. And they got the doors blown off them really before they even got off the bus by Georgia. And Georgia, they had a great defense. Did they have an all-time great team, though? No. They had a great defense and a, a good offense. So being great down in the SEC is completely different than being great in the Big Ten. And like you said, from top to bottom, it's com- it's different. Uh, a team like Mississippi State is so much better than a team like Rutgers or a team like Indiana uh, year in and year out. And they're like toward the bottom of the SEC West. And b- by the way, I, I totally like the Big Ten East probably is the second best division in college football. But it doesn't hold a candle to the SEC West. Right. And we didn't even mention Mississippi State. I mean, <laughs> Mississippi State, when what, you know, Mississippi State beat Auburn last year, just so everyone is kind of kind of under the same page. So, yeah, I mean, look, it. So, so to, to get back to your main question, I do think it was – I don't know. I, I, as far as him being a good coach, I think it was a bad decision. As far as the culture at Auburn being done with him, I don't know how much you can win if everyone's not on your side anymore. So does that mean you have to move on? Yes. But also, maybe there needs to be a little bit of self-reflection as far as, okay, we can chase off this guy, but the guy we bring in – and credit Auburn for this – because this is a huge issue that Alabama had before they brought in Nick Saban. These places love to get guys like them. They like to get guys that were in the program or they like, you know, that were that used to coach here or whatever the case may be. It's hard for them typically to go outside and get somebody. So I respect Auburn for going to get a guy like Brian Harson. I think if they gave him enough time, Brian Harson could have this place winning nine games every year. With an occasional 10, with an occasional 11, which, by the way, in the SEC West, if you're doing that, I don't know what else you want from a head coach as long as Nick Saban and probably even as long as Jimbo Fisher's around. And, oh, by the way, now Brian Kelly's in your division and you have to play against Kirby Smart's team every year. I don't know how you could ask for much more than that, but they're not going to give him that much time. They are, and I already told you, 24-7 sports-wise, athletically, they're actually one spot worse than Penn State. So imagine taking a team as good as Penn State, maybe maybe an inch worse, maybe an inch better, and having to play that schedule and expecting them to win 10 games. And we just came off a 7-6 and six season against the teams we played last year. I don't know, Sean. Yeah, that's... Uh, um... Well, correct me if I'm wrong. Auburn fans probably expect to be LSU and be Georgia and be Alabama. They've won a national championship. They've went undefeated twice in the last 20 years. So that when there's an expectation somewhere, that's going to be what the fans demand. And you know me, I'm all about demanding high about having high expectations. Um, but Having perspective and having context is also important. Um, you know, as far as Malzahn goes, Malzahn made it to a national championship game. They lost, but, but they nearly won it. And um, 
And then you have a guy like Carson come in who's not from down there and didn't go to Auburn, didn't play in the SEC, didn't even play any. And it's putting that culture shock into it uh, that that really that really could put you behind the eight ball as a coach. Yeah, and I I don't I think Harson's done a good job as far as the culture shock. I just think it's the shock from the culture on him. I I don't right. think that Harson's you know really wavered. I I have to give him credit. I think he's done a pretty good job, all things considered, especially after what you know they kind of did uh, you know last season. That being said, in a way Auburn could not be more like Penn State. As far as if I had to find another team, I don't know if I could. Maybe Virginia Tech, but but Auburn especially because if you think about what they've been able to do, really, a lot. Of, I I don't want to use the word luck because it's not luck, but sometimes luck has a certain way of providing new expectations that aren't really fair. And you can make the same case for Penn State in 2016 for what that meant for the future, but if you look at Auburn and what they were able to do. Like, yeah, they won the championship in 2010. Well, first of all, the reason they won that championship was because of one guy, Cam Newton. I mean, that's just no other way to say it. Like, they won that championship because of Cam Newton, and really the next best guy in their team wasn't that good. It's just that's how good Cam Newton was. He single-handedly beat Alabama that year. You go to 2013, Auburn played and won the SEC championship – but who do they play in the SEC championship that year? Georgia still wasn't very good. Um, they played Missouri in that crazy barn burner game. I think they won 59-42 or something like that. Um, how do they get to that SEC championship? By beating Alabama. And how did they beat Alabama? Well, it was 34-28 in the kick six game. So and if, if that hadn't happened, then who knows, who knows as far as, you know, how far they get. Because by the by the way they lost to LSU that year by fourteen, so that team loses to Alabama and they never even come close to winning the SEC championship. So I'm not saying it's luck, but you have a really good player in Cam Newton and you have kick six, which is going to go down in history as one of the best plays of all time. I mean, people talk about kick six down here like it's a prayer. I mean, it's just talked about like it's a. I don't. I couldn't even explain it to you. Like it's another book in the Bible. Um, but those two plays have given this impression that for some reason Auburn should be on the same pedestal as Alabama. And I think the best thing that maybe happened for Harson was Georgia finally winning a national championship because for a while it was okay. Alabama's better than us, but Georgia's not because Georgia hasn't won a, won a national championship, um, in, in 20 something years. Now they can't say that. So now their friends to the west of them have won a bunch of national championships. The friends to the east of them have won a national championship and look to be in contention for the national championships for the next 10 years. They are no longer on that same tier. They're just not. They are now on the next tier below with maybe LSU because we don't know where they're going to be at. And the, and really, they're not even on the next team to maybe go up to that tier. Everyone's now paying attention to Texas A&M and saying, hey, Jimbo, Kirby Smart just did it. When are you going to do it? So Auburn is forgotten about now, finally. 
at least on the large scale of things. And I think that's good for Harson because the expectations have calmed down. People aren't expecting and, and Malzahn got fired basically for kick six. I mean, you think about it. He goes on, wins that game, goes and plays in the SEC championship and wins that game. Everyone thinks he's a genius. But really, if Nick Saban doesn't use that timeout, doesn't even try a field goal, who knows what happens in overtime? But because of that, he wins an SEC championship, and now the expectations are we're going to be better than Alabama. You were never going to be better than Alabama with Nick Saban there. You just weren't. And so I think it's very – and you can say the same thing about Penn State, right, and the whole point of this. Penn State beats Alabama or Ohio State in 2016, and then the expectation was, oh, we're on the same tier as Ohio State. We're not. We're never going to be. We, we might have the opportunity to beat them a couple of years, just like Auburn has the opportunity to beat Alabama even last year, but that doesn't mean we're on the same tier as them. And that sort of expectation creates that culture for why you have Brian Harson now and you kind of want to get rid of him, but you can't. So it's a dangerous game, Sean. But it's one that's interesting because it's all bred from this expectation from sort of lucky results, if that makes sense. Yeah, but a lot of ways life is about luck. And with a little luck, um, to quote an old Paul McCartney song, could Penn State be? So from 2004 to, I think he said 2013, 2014, uh, they played in the last BCS National Championship game, if I remember correctly. With a little luck, could Penn State, and I agree with you, I think they're kind of an equivalent to Auburn in a lot of ways. They kind of mirror each other. Could Penn State be at its peak, like how Auburn was for those 10 years? I think they could. Their coaches were Tommy Tuberville, who uh, was a mediocre head coach. I'm not saying any more than that. Uh, Gene Chizik, who got fired right after Cam was there. And um, Gus Malzahn, who I agree with you, a good coach, not a great coach. I think they could. I think Penn State could potentially contend for a national championship someday if they were able to get a guy like a Cam Newton. Sure. Uh, Do those guys come around every year? No. But you have to, again, like we talk, that's why we talk about recruiting so much, because you need those great players to get there. And could it take a little bit of luck? Yeah. What was the block kick against Ohio State? It was a little bit of luck. Also took some skill for Marcus Allen to go up there and block that kick. But there's a lot of luck to it. It bounced the right way, and Grant Haley was able to scoop it up and score. So if you're able to have that luck and combine it with some, you know, uh, great players, uh, some good coaching decisions here and um, here and there and building the right culture and doing things the right way. Yeah, I think Penn State could potentially build a team and build a program that could, whose peak could mirror that of Auburn's for those 10 years. Right. But that's not what I'm saying, Sean, because you're absolutely right. You can have a team that has the ball bounce their way and you can win a national championship in doing so. But what I'm saying is over the course of 10 years, over the course of five years, that ball is going to bounce both ways and you're going to be on the right side of things. And you're going to be on the wrong side of things. That's just like Georgia losing to South Carolina a couple of years ago. But the thing is, Georgia has consistently been in that conversation since not because of luck. When you have the ability to recruit the way they do and play the way they do, 
over the course of time, you're giving yourself the most opportunities to win national championships. The same thing with Alabama. I mean, Alabama has had the ball go their way, but they've also had the ball go their way against them a lot of times, especially in the field goal department. I mean, how many games or maybe more national championships may they, you know, could have won as I drop my phone everywhere. Um, if they're able to just have a, a decent kicker or even a competent quarterback at times. So I, I get what you're saying. Yes, Penn State can have a team that does it. But by the way, they had a generational player in Saquon Barkley, and you could make the argument that was the peak of their success, and Barkley covered up a lot of their issues for them. I mean, that Ohio State game in 2017, everyone loves to talk about. But if Barkley wasn't there, I mean, who knows how close that game even is? Um, and, and the same thing for, for 2018 or 2016, for that matter. So I agree that, yes, you can have a team because of one player, hint, Cam Newton that can get you there. Maybe that guy is Nick Singleton. Maybe that guy is Sean Clifford in year six. Maybe that guy is Parker Washington. Whatever the case may be, maybe it's all of them. And the ball bounces their way and this team goes to the championship. But even if they would win the national championship and the expectation would then to be in the playoff every year, what I'm saying is, based off of what I see right now, this team should not be expected to win a national championship this year or next year, even if they would win one this year. And that's the point. But culture doesn't work that way. Expectations don't work that way. If you win one this year, that expectation is going to be you're going to win one next year. But look at LSU. Hell, look at Michigan State who made it to the playoff, got annihilated, and ended up finding their coach a couple of years later. So that's all I'm trying to say. And I think Auburn, just like Penn State, kind of fell into that a little bit with, with the culture expecting to be like Alabama, expecting to be like Ohio State when you're not really. And you can have seasons where you are, but that doesn't necessarily mean you are still at that level over time. Yeah, and and that's that's true. Um, I would say, and I love Saquon, but Saquon wasn't Cam Newton. Cam Newton was a quarterback, and Cam. I don't think people remember how great he was in college. Like he outside of Joe Burrow's uh, magical uh, senior season, I think he was a senior. Uh, his last season at LSU, Cam Newton probably had the best season of college football I've ever seen in my life. As an individual, he was amazing, but he was a quarterback. And having a generational running back versus having a generational quarterback are two completely different things. Um, and I think you need that quarterback and and really um penn state hasn't had that in a while uh i think trace was a really good quarterback a really good college quarterback but he wasn't a generational talent i mean nobody nobody would think that even the biggest trace mcsorley fan in the world would think that so i've always been curious um how penn state under james franklin would be with the Cam Newton, a Joe Burrow, um, that kind of quarterback. And I think if they're able to put it all together, uh, it could work. Uh, before Deshaun Watson um, at Clemson, Clemson was a lot like Penn State. And they were, you know, a good program, and they'd, they'd win their eight to ten games a year. Um but then they got Deshaun Watson and everything changed. So I would really want to see how Penn State could be 
with an elite talent at the quarterback position, and maybe, who knows, maybe they have that there right now. I couldn't agree with you more. I I, I agree. Sean Cl- or excuse me, uh, Saquon Barkley, not the same as far as generational talent to win you national championships, but that didn't take anything away from what Saquon Barkley did. I mean, Saquon Barkley basically won us games like Minnesota, won us games like um, even even Purdue. Or, or, you know, there's a lot of games out there you could point to like, well, if we didn't have Saquon Barkley, that might have been a whole different story because we wouldn't have been able to run the ball at all. Um, I also want to agree with you. It's saying you need to have a good quarterback to win a national championship or one of the best defenses of all time. For example, Georgia this past year. You could put that defense with almost any offense, and I really think they would have a really good shot of winning a national championship. They were just that good. The Georgia offense really wasn't anything crazy special. They had some explosive plays, but they weren't anything special. That Georgia defense was just so freaking good um, that they were able to even make points themselves. On top of that, since we're comparing this all to Auburn, what good quarterback has Auburn had since Cam Newton? You want to talk about another reason why they haven't had much success? Nick Marshall? Right. I mean, they haven't had anybody. With Everyone thought Bo Nix when he beat Oregon in his first game ever as a true freshman. I mean, people were running around their pants off, lighting him on fire because they thought Bo Nix was going to win a Heisman as a true freshman. I mean, people were going nuts. And he never turned out to be the guy. Um, and uh, that was also part of why they were ready for Gus Malzahn to be gone because he – he really wanted Bo Nix to be the guy. And and so Gus Malzahn and Bo Nix's fate were kind of com- combined at that point. Um, but very, very synonymous, and I like the Clemson point as well, but very synonymous with, with, with Penn State. If you don't have a great quarterback, unless you have a remarkable defense, and I, I don't mean really good defense, I mean remarkable, you're going to struggle. And and, and that that's the case for, for Penn State. That's the case for Auburn. And I think that's what makes this game – so interesting is especially if Bo Nix would have stayed. I think that would have been so funny as far as comparing Sean Clifford and Bo Nix because I think there's so much like. But regardless, I'm a little nervous because I think Calzada comes in. I think they might have the edge at quarterback because I don't really know what to expect from Sean Clifford at this point. But again, we talk about the same thing. Basically, the storyline is no different than it was last year. Well, Penn State has this and they have this, but Auburn has a good defense and they have a good running game. And it's like, well, it almost seems, Sean, if if Auburn could get out of their own way, they should be able to win this game. I think so, too. Um, And that's why, you know, gun to my head today, I would pick Auburn to win. And like you said, though, our opinions, and we'll get there in September, they might be completely different. By the time uh, we see Penn State against Purdue, or like you said, San Jose State, if Penn State was playing San Jose State, I I would be worried. Uh, That would be a non-conference game against a non-power five team that would that would have me a bit that would have me a bit worried because they have a reputation for being a respectable program uh, in the Mountain West. They're they're not Ohio, uh, who we previewed last week. Um. I would give Auburn the edge right now, especially if Calzada builds off of what he did last year at A&M. Um, but this is not a slam dunk whatsoever. I would give, if we're doing percentages, 
you know, Auburn probably about a 53, 47, 55, 45% to, um, to, uh, come out victorious. And frankly, if this was played at Beaver stadium, I might do the opposite and pick Penn state, but home field does matter. It does. It does. And I think, uh, I think the the folk down here are going to be ready to defend their their spot. And by the way, since we've talked so much, I just want to throw out there that 28 minutes ago, Tyreek Blanding has upped his uh, commitment to today at 8 p.m. Eastern. So um, by the time this is probably, I'm going to put this out of here pretty much right away. So maybe somebody listens to it. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and say that um, Penn State gets a commit and Tyreek Blanding. That's my prediction. Yeah, I'm expecting him to end up at Penn State as well. So um, that's pretty encouraging, actually. Yeah, so that that's sweet that he that's moved up. So um, I think it's a fun conversation to talk about Auburn because of how many things were alike in a lot of ways. A big stadium, big fan base, big rival. You know, whatever you want, division rival with with Ohio State and Alabama that have had a lot of success. Um, that have a lot of history and I think it's fun. I would love if we continue to play Auburn for the future. Um, I, I really think it would, it's a cool matchup. I, again, I keep going back to, there's so many things that are alike about these two, especially when Bo Nix was there and Sean Clifford was there. Um, but there's a lot of history and there's a lot of people that care. Right. And I think that's what makes a difference too. Like no offense to Arkansas and Arkansas people were fantastically, awesomely nice at the ball game. Um, which, by the way, is no longer going to be the Outback Bowl. Um, but disappointing. Arkansas fans didn't really have any sort of like, hey, we're just happy to be here, man. And that was cool. But there's something about Auburn and Penn State. There, there's a little bit of like, well, we're we're both little brothers in a way. And I hate to say that, but right now, Ohio State is the big dog in our division, and Alabama is the big dog. And you can make the argument that Michigan is even the big dog as far as they've having our number right now. Um, and that's and we're kind of in the same we're, we're on maybe different paths, but we're, our paths are crossing. And I think it's I think it's a cool and I wish and I hope that these non-conference games don't really go away too much because I, I think they're cool. And I think they're uh, they're fun to break down because they're very different. No team is like Auburn in the Big Ten. I guess that's a, that's the best the best way to put it. Well, I mean, with how we previewed them, we are hardcore Auburn football, aren't we? Yeah, basically, at this point. I mean, <laughs> I was going to title this episode War Eagle because, I mean, War Damn Eagle at this point. No, I mean, look, I, I think Penn State can win this game, and I think they can easily be 3-0 and at this point. I go back to what I said in the episode last week, Sean. If they can run the ball against Ohio, and I – for people that didn't watch that episode, Ohio, really good linebacker core, in my opinion. If they can run the ball consistently against Ohio, I know it's Ohio. Um, that would make me just feel better because they couldn't even run the ball well against Villanova last year. So if we see that, I feel better. And, and by the way, they were able to beat Auburn without a good running game last year. So I don't know, Sean. It's fun. This was going to be a fun one. I'm hoping for the sake of previewing this game it, during the season that Penn State's able to beat Purdue and obviously take care of Ohio because I want both of these teams to be 2-0. and I think that's good for the sport if both these 
both of these teams are 2-0 heading in into this game. Oh, I think so, too. It was a fun game last year. Um, I was at a wedding, so I wasn't able to, to go. Um, but the atmosphere there seemed very, it seemed electric. And I think SEC fans, uh, like you said, they tend to think Pennsylvania is New England and we don't really know anything about football up here. I think we were really able to show what Big Ten football could be. And we're not the only cool stadium to visit. Auburn, or um, <laughs> talk about Auburn so much. Wisconsin has awesome traditions. And um, Iowa uh, looking at looking at Kinnick at night, Ohio State, Michigan, uh, Michigan State. Like these are all cool stadiums to go to, and they all have awesome tradition. Um, and we were really able to display it for an audience that probably doesn't watch a whole lot of uh, Penn State football or Big Ten football in general. And I'm happy that Penn State could go and experience an SEC environment. Because we hear so much about them from their fan, we hear so much about them from their fans. And let's be real, I think there are a lot of Penn State fans out there that probably only watch Penn State week to week, um, or they don't watch too much uh, SEC football, if you could believe that, because it's the best conference in college football. But I think that's just kind of fair for your uh, everyday regular uh, Penn State fan or fan of whatever respective school absolutely couldn't agree more sean could not agree more it's it's cool and i hope i hope there's more of those opportunities uh down the road it doesn't seem like it at least in the near future unfortunately but um let's wrap this one up an extra long episode for everybody uh savor it because we won't be back until the following sunday most likely so um enjoy it we'll be back we'll be previewing central michigan i believe is, is our fourth opponent Hopefully, when we come back, Sean, we'll have maybe three-ish, four-ish commits by then. Who knows? So, we'll see, I guess. Yeah, I am ready to uh, preview the Chippewas and hopefully be breaking down a few commitments. Are we going to sing Edmund Fitzgerald before that episode, or we start that episode? (laughs) Went over my head, Corey. Okay, well, there's a song you have to watch or listen to, but I'll get you on that. All right, definitely. (laughs) We'll take care of you. We'll take care of you for sure. (laughs) All right, well, for Sean Kane, the Edmund Fitzgerald, and um, myself, Corey Listokey, this is Hardcore Penn State Football. Thanks for listening. We've had a lot, a lot of downloads in the last couple weeks, so we very much appreciate it. If you made it this far, if you made an hour and 30 minutes into the podcast about me ranting about Auburn sports, you're awesome, and we appreciate you. Um, we do have a five-star review, but I'm going to hold off on reading it until next week because I'm not going to read it at the end of the episode like this. I don't think that does it justice. But if you give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we will read it on the show. So please head over to Apple and drop us a five-star review. Um, people, I think two people gave us ratings, but obviously ratings don't have reviews. But we like those too, um, but the reviews are read, so... Um, consider that make sure if wherever you're listening you're subscribed and please share it with a friend um so until next time sean i will uh, catch all everyone later thank you